to the show more than you can chew i'm your host tiffany moore so happy you're here today i feel like this is probably going to be the last episode of the shift i think i've covered everything i want to for the most part and shared my experience and i feel like i'm just kind of ready to go back to like silly goofy episodes at this point so yeah, I feel like this is probably going to be the last episode of the shift, at least for now. Um, so this last part, I kind of wanted to talk about um, one of the most beneficial things before, besides like getting a grip of um, sanity within my own head was this really profound experience of getting out of, you know, corporate America, the nine to five gig, where I think there are a lot of people who really excel in corporate America, like the whole nine to five, you know, American dream, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like a lot of people really excel in that space. I'm not one of those people. I barely graduated high school and so I just kind of I, I I usually got burnt out on a job usually by the two-year mark and I would leave by the three-year mark but then as I was getting older it was like I really couldn't stay past two years at any specific place because I had the same process in every kind of job. It was like when I didn't have a degree, when I, you know, like everything was just building my resume because I didn't go to school. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't, I was like, why waste money on college? I have no idea what I want to do. Like I'm not a commitment focused person. I can't see long term for myself. Like it was impossible to think about what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know? So college was just immediately out of, <clears throat> um, my mind, like, it was just not an option because I knew I didn't want to be in that much debt for something, you know, for some degree that I wasn't even going to use. So I never thought about going to college or anything. I was just like, I'm just going to work my way up at every job. And that always happened. Like, I would kind of go into any job on an associate level and I would always just work my way up to management. And I got really good at this process of that was kind of like became the goal whenever I started a new job I would have like a list of requirements that I wanted from this job that I wasn't receiving from my old job and I would make this list of things 
just journal them in a notebook or whatever. I just have this list of criteria that like, this is specifically what I want, you know, in my next job. And that would evolve over time. I would do that all the time. And so every single job was just, you, you start at this associate level and you kind of understand like the grievances and all the things that aren't working at this level. And as you're moving up, you have this opportunity to impl implement things to fix that. And I always assumed as a manager, you know, I would be able to have complete control and I would be able to like change all of the things I want to do. And then once you like understand the role of a manager is really just like a glorified babysitter and you have you don't have nearly the amount of control over, you know, changing things in the process that you think you do. Um, uh, in, in daily processes, maybe, but actually like looking out for the well-being of the employees, it's just not a priority to most corporations. Like you're a number in the system, basically. So that kind of wore on me because I've always really cared about people's voices being heard and protecting the underdog throughout my life. And I always felt like that was a good opportunity and where I could make like little changes in management. Overall, the huge changes that I wanted to make were never possible because it was just like nobody, I had bosses that I had to answer to too. And it was like their concerns were not the same as my concerns, you know? So it became really, really difficult. And I was like, I'm just gonna keep moving on to a company. Like I'm gonna find a company at one point that agrees with me on these basic fundamentals of just human decency. It's just all I wanted, you know, just like people to be treated with respect, people to be, you know, just treated fairly and to be seen for the work that they're doing and not just like, another number in the system, you know? And <clears throat> at some point you realize that's the system, like that's just the system. And the higher up you get, the more money you're getting for doing a lot less work, at least like physical, like grunt work. And that didn't really agree with me either because I'm the type of person, I like to get my hands dirty, I like to, you know, be sh like in there, like doing the processes with people. So even though like I had built my resume to this really amazing piece of work, you know, from not going to any type of school beyond high school and barely graduating high school at that, um, I had really worked my way into this position where I kept making this list of things I wanted that kept evolving. And finally, I felt like right before the pandemic, I got my dream job. I really thought it was my dream job. It was a company that was very focused around being the best place to work at. Like they wanted their employees to feel like there is no better job out there. This is it. And I felt like that when I first started there and I remember they already offered me a really great um, amount of money to take this job. And then when I started, they came to me a month after I'd started working and said, you know what, we've been comparing other jobs in the field related to what you're doing and they're actually making a little more than you. So we're going to give you a $2 raise right off the bat. And I just kept continuously getting raises as I was working there. It was fucking great. I had great insurance. I was starting at this company at ground level, which was something that was on my list of like requirements of what I wanted to do. I really wanted to like get in. It was a newer company, maybe like seven or eight years old. Um, so they were still very new. And uh, the warehouse I was opening was this fresh team, like, we all got hired at the same time. We were all starting at the same, and I love that feeling. I love that vibe, like being able to start at that ground level and like really build something together as a team and like have everybody contribute. Like it was just one of the best experiences I've ever had in a job. 
And um, <clears throat> so we were doing that for about eight months. And then the company went public and started selling stock. And anyone who's been in this experience can tell you that's when everything starts to change. That's when this kind of like family dynamic of like, we all have each other's back and look at all these great things the company is doing for us. Like now we have to answer to shareholders. Now we have to answer to the stockholder. And it's just like, everything changes. You have to start implementing all of these new things that everybody fucking hates. And you could just see, gradually see this decline happening already. And so then the lockdown happens. And I think a lot of corporations saw this as the lockdowns were happening. You're seeing the very, very seedy underbelly of corporate America show its face. I think we can look back on, uh, I was considered an essential worker somehow. <laughs> the business I was in, was not essential to life, but somehow we stayed open. And the essential workers, I think looking back now, probably feel really fucked over. Um, these people who were really risking so much to stay open and keep serving people and basically keep the economy afloat during the pandemic, while a lot of people were just, you know, staying home and making sourdough bread, these essential workers, you know, uh, I think a lot of people don't really understand the, the cruelty and just how really disgusting it was to see what corporate America was willing to do to stay afloat and what they were willing to risk on behalf of their own employees. Um, it was something I couldn't look away from and it just ate away at me inside telling my employees these things that my bosses were telling me to say to them and everything felt wrong inside of me. I felt like I was going against all of my moral codes and you know, I don't need to get into specifics. Anyone who worked during the pandemic, you know, you know, like things were changing literally every single fucking hour during the height of the pandemic, how you had to handle things, the protocol. I mean, if you questioned things, it was a, a fight. Like you were just meant to do exactly as you were told. And it was just, it was a really, really difficult time for me to um, one, you know, find this balance of risking myself going into work every single day, let alone like still managing this team of people and trying to keep them feeling hopeful and like we're doing the right thing by staying open for something that is not fucking essential to life at all. And you just saw like the very, very seedy underbelly of corporate America. And I couldn't unsee it, you know? And I really felt like this was my dream job. I had finally made it to whatever we strive to as Americans. You know, I, I, I didn't have any prior schooling, like I said. And, you know, when I finally left this gig, I was making 80,000 a year, which was incredible to me. It was really, really incredible to me to be making that amount of money because I barely graduated high school. So to think that, you know, at 40 years old, I could be making 80,000 a year with really great health benefits, you know, all, all kinds of benefits from the job too. But um, the day I decided to quit, all of the writing was on the wall. I could see the company going under. You saw you couldn't help but like see all the red flags, especially if you've been through that before with another company, you can just kind of see the writing on the wall. But um, we were all getting really scared about what was going to happen because we were seeing these really drastic things happening from management. And 
the president had a meeting with some of us um, on a Zoom call. And I heard the president of the company say, we won COVID. And you could see him like breaking down. You could just see him completely losing it. And I was just like, I can't. I, I was that was the breaking point for me. I was like, I'm not going to work for a company that says we won COVID. There's nothing to win here. This is not something to win. And a lot of that was due to our stock skyrocketing during the pandemic. Um, and you know, that was like his reasoning behind we won COVID. Like look at how well our stock our stock went like fucking insane in the in the height of the pandemic. And, you know, that was kind of like everything's worth it because this look at the stock, look how much the stock has gone up and, you know, at the cost of what, you know, are are all of our employees and all of this, you know, bullshit that we've all had to go through. So that's when I decided like I can't work for this company. And so I quit. I quit this job and a month later I found out they had laid everybody off which I would have been part of that layoff and um the president ended up stepping down from the company all of the founders ended up stepping down from the company and now the stock is back to five bucks a share or whatever it was before the pandemic so at the time it was the scariest decision I would ever make in my life to just quit my job without any kind of backup and ever since I did that I feel like I've been chasing that feeling um that was November 2021 when I quit my job and even to say like oh my god you were making you know, $80,000 a year, you'll probably never make that, you know, unless you go to school or something, you further your education. And like, I was still always broke. Even with, you know, making that kind of money, I was still always broke because I had no control over like my spending. I would just spend so frivolously. I, I was still always felt broke all the time, even with that amount of money with no kids or like anything else. I was just like very frivolously spending my money. And once I quit my job, I had a budget. You know what I mean? Like I knew exactly where every cent was allocated to, like where every every single bill, when it was due, I had this spreadsheet of like, this is exactly how much money I'm going to need to survive off of like this little savings that I have. <clears throat> so I took seven months off of work um, to, to try to become a functioning person in my mind and that's when I decided like at some point you know this money is going to run out I need to find a job and going through the process of like applying for a job after being off of work completely for six or seven months was just my like I couldn't do it the thought of selling myself to a company again in an interview was the most dehumanizing thing. I know that sounds really dramatic, but at the time it felt so fucking dehumanizing because of where I came from, of just quitting my job and as scary as it was, it was the most freeing fucking experience of my life. It was so fucking freeing. And I learned so much about myself in this span of time. And I got to explore myself and just have all of this free time to do anything I wanted to do. And it was the most amazing experience of my life, but it was fucking terrifying not having a paycheck. So trying to think of selling myself to a company in an interview, I just could not do it. I could not bring myself to do it. And I was like, I need money coming in. Like I have to, I'm going to have to break down and just fucking do this. And the thought of going back to a job every single day felt, it just went against everything in me because 
I don't like working around the same people every day. I get annoyed. I get bored. I get complacent. I don't feel challenged. So many things in just regular workplace America don't work with my specific personality and how I am. Like I don't benefit from these places. Even though I felt like every company I worked for, the goal was just to leave it better than when I started there. Just leave it better than when I started here because I knew like nothing was ever going to be long term. I just wanted to like make it as good as I could and then go on to the next place and try to make that place as good as I could. So that was only the ever goal. Like it was never like I want to work here the rest of my life because I don't think that's possible for me. Like I just I'm not that type of person. So <clears throat> I would just kind of like sit in silence and meditate and ask for answers <clears throat> about what I should do about money. And I don't even remember how the rideshare thing popped up, but it just popped up one day. It was like Lyft. I saw this ad for Lyft that was offering like, make $3,000 your first month. And if you don't, we'll give you the difference. And I was just like, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty cool. Like, that's at least a guaranteed $3,000, you know? So I, I could at least try this and just see if I like it. So the rideshare gig would become this experience where <clears throat> the voice really wanted me to start implementing this lifestyle of what, like to really understand what's going on in your mind because that's what's going to be shown to you in your reality. Like that's what's being reflected to you all the time. If you feel fear constantly and you feel scared all the time, that's what's going to be reflected back to you in your reality all the time. So like it's all about kind of like centering yourself and getting yourself ready for what's about to come during the day so you can react to it in a manner. You're more like accepting of it than reacting to it. So it was this experiment kind of, you know, that the voice was like, this will be the perfect thing for you to understand how your mind affects the way you experience your reality. And I learned how powerful the mind was during this experience, during this shift. Like, I think the mind is extremely powerful beyond what we even understand about it honestly it's so fucking powerful and it became this way of one like the voice always wanted me to uh, it was like I had to clear my own space I had to if you want to think of your body as like pure white light. You know what I mean? Like you can't be sitting here having like all these negative thoughts about yourself and all of this fear wrapped around, you know, everything you're thinking about or just like constantly worrying about what's going to be coming around the corner because you carry that in this like vibrational field around you. You're always carrying this energy and Everything is energy. Everything is fucking energy. So like other people are going to be affected when they come into your energy field. So when they came into my car, it was basically like the voice wanted me to hold the light for everybody who was entering my car because that was going to create this experience of making other pe people feel safe and making other people feel seen because there's something about it's been one of the most amazing experiences of my life to see this um, kind of gradual transformation in the rideshare thing. Where I started it, started doing it June or July of 2022. So I've been doing it for like a year and a half now. And it's been so incredible to see like at first, it's one of the most fucking intimidating jobs. You're literally letting strangers get into your car. The thing that you have been told all of your life not to do, like never get into a stranger's car. It's like, hi, I'm the stranger, get into my car and we're gonna go. 
So it's very, very bizarre at first. And I didn't grow up in Pittsburgh. Learning to drive around fucking Pittsburgh was a bitch. It was a fucking bitch. Like, I went insane. So many, I took so many wrong turns. <laughs> like, I gave a few people cash because I messed up the ride so bad. Like, it was fucking horrible trying to figure out how to drive down in downtown Pittsburgh and around all of the neighborhoods of Pittsburgh. Like, but I finally got that down. But it took a minute. It took a fucking minute. Because everybody in Pittsburgh is just like, well, I'm at the where the old Kogo was. And I'm like, I don't know any landmarks. I don't know any, like, where the old... I didn't grow up here. I don't know any of this stuff. So it was fucking hard. It was really, really hard. And people are in a hurry. Like, it was difficult. So a lot of it was just adjusting to that before I could actually start implementing um, what I refer to as, like, the community work. So a lot of it was just like getting used to this job at first and how crazy and hectic it was going to be before I could find my own peace and like schedule with it. So what I had written down, I remember on just a little piece of paper um, in looking for the rideshare gig was, you know, I felt like I already attained my dream job. I already had my dream job. And it turned out to be, you know, I would have just got laid off anyway. So it was meant to be this experience to show me like, maybe the nine to five gig isn't for you. You know, maybe you need to branch out and explore other areas and see like what would actually benefit your well-being. Because that was the main message in all of this. This whole shift was just like, what is going to serve you the most where you can find the most peace in your life and you can experience life the way you want to experience it, which is with a lot of freedom that you don't have in this, you know, nine to five gig. So, so much of the ride share was just adjusting at first and understanding like just all of the nuances and, and, and madness that is being a ride share driver. And then once you kind of get adjusted to that, I would say it took me like a good year to find my footing and figure out like where the surges are and when the best times to drive are and, you know, what neighborhoods to stay in and what times to go out. Like there's, there's a lot involved, especially if you're a female driver. Um, you don't want to go out late at night, you know, like all of these things that I would just kind of like learn as I go, usually from you know, really uncomfortable experiences, but that's how you learn things most of the time. And so I had written down on this little piece of paper, like, you know, I had my dream job. It it was this thing I had been working to all of my life. I, I couldn't think of anything better than the job I had that I had quit. And it turned out being just like everything else in the end, you know, under pressure, that place of business that wanted to really wanted to be the best company to work for, for employees, like genuinely wanted it. You know, once you go public and you're answering to shareholders, everything changes and it takes everything away from that community. It takes, it strips everything down to you are just a number. And so I knew that I could probably never work for corporate America again um, just morally with my own moral compass. Um, I just wouldn't be able to do that. So I knew I would need to work at like some kind of like mom and pa place and I wouldn't make nearly amount, the amount of money that I was making, but I still wrote down on this piece of paper that I wanted to work less than 30 hours a week. I wanted to be making at least $30 an hour. I wanted to feel like I was my own boss and not or at least like if I had a boss, they were very much out of my life, you know, all of these kind of things. And this was the shortest list I've ever made. And whenever I was looking for a new job, it it was less about like, yeah, I want to make this much money. Yeah, I want, I want full benefits and stuff. But it was more about like how I felt at my job. That was always the top priority to me is like, how do I feel? Am I going to dread going in there every single day? Is this going to feel like it's completely taking up all of my time. Am I going to feel like I don't have a life at all and I'm just like living to work? Because all the shit I gave my mom about 
overworking herself to death, which she did. You know, she died at 57 and she took a job uh, opportunity. She was, uh, because her boss died from a heart attack. That's how she got the job she did. Her boss died from a heart attack because of all of the stress he was under at this fucking job. And my mom stepped in and she started doing that job. And then my mom died. So, you know, I, I just, I gave her so much shit for taking that job constantly, constantly. I would give her shit just like you are, this is your grave. You're writing your own death sentence here. Like your boss just died from a heart attack because he's under so much stress and pressure. You work so much. She would work like 60 hours a week. Like it was insane. And I couldn't see that I was following that same path, you know? And I really couldn't see it because I was so consumed with work. I was just so consumed with work. I was always working. I was working these crazy hours. So I, my sleep was off all the time. I didn't feel like I had any time for myself to do anything. I was just constantly working or thinking about work or thinking about my employees and how they were going to be affected by things and feeling guilt for the things that I had to say to my employees because it just did not resonate with my moral code. It just ate me up every second of the fucking day. But I just thought that's what a job was supposed to do because that was what was emulated to me by my mom. And it really took a lot of work to break myself out of that and understand like, this doesn't have to be like my entire life and everything doesn't have to focus around my fucking job. You know, we live in this culture where it's like, it's like sexy if you work too much, you know, it's like, it's like this glamorous thing to say like, oh my God, like I worked this many hours a week. Oh God, I'm so tired. Like there's something, it almost comes off like it's something to be proud of in this culture, you know, and I just don't resonate with that anymore. It just doesn't feed my soul. I don't get any kind of pleasure from thinking about this like lack of social life I had or lack of free time or just like, I, I just, I, I, I can't understand that way of thinking anymore. And that was such a huge, huge, huge part of my life. And that's how I saw work. I just thought like it had to be this all encompassing thing. I thought that's just what work was. And I felt extremely proud of myself. I felt like a badass, you know, like I just felt like, you know, look at me like, putting, pouring all of myself into work and nothing else and just being completely exhausted whenever I'm not at work and just only thinking about work when I'm not at work. Like I just thought that's what life was. So <clears throat> that's another reason why it became so hard to like think about selling myself to an employer through an interview because it was just like, no, look at my credentials. Like I've fucking busted my ass. Like I should not have to sell myself to anyone at this point. And I'm going to sell myself for this company that I don't even want to work for. I don't want to go into the same place every single day. I don't want to see the same people every single day. Like that doesn't suit me. That doesn't serve me anymore. So the things that I wrote on this list now were pretty basic. I want, you know, to, to not be working over 40 hours a week. I actually want to work less than 30 hours a week. I want 30 bucks an hour. This is how I want to feel every single day, free. Like I'm able to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. You know, no alarm in the morning. I don't have to get like buy specific clothes to wear. I can just wear whatever I'm wearing. Like real basic things, real basic things that were no longer like, I want a 401k and I want, you know, um, whatever the fuck else they offer. Like that just wasn't important to me anymore. Something in me completely changed. And it just comes down to your own personal priorities. Like what works for you and what doesn't. These are things as a 41, am I 41? As a 41 year old woman, these are the things I want now. I know exactly what I want. And, um, you know, it took me about a year doing the rideshare gig to get to that point. But now I work no more than 30 hours a week. I make at least $30 an hour whenever I go out and drive. I work like 2 to 6, like 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. a few days, th 
through the week and then I'll work on the weekends like Friday and Saturday and then I'll have Sunday off and that really suits me you know that really suits me and I get to wear whatever I want to wear um I get insurance through the company that I work for at a pretty good price and I don't have a boss that I have to answer to and I get to work whenever I want to work and I don't have to ask to take time off and now they're implementing sick pay which is awesome um that's a new thing that's coming out is rideshare people are going to get sick pay um sick time to use so the things on my list and I feel exactly how I want to feel I feel like I'm giving back to this community in this sense where most of the time, at least through the week, like the weekends, you know, you're getting like a completely different crowd, but the people going to work every single week through the week are usually like people of color, people who are living in areas of poverty, you know, and it really had this effect on me where I understood that I could give back to my community in a, in a way that I had never really understood before. Whereas before I always envisioned community service as like going and helping, you know, make a garden with people or, you know, like these community events that people would have. And I would feel, you know, we would do that a lot at my last job. We would, we would go and help with like community events and stuff like that. And I would feel like, good after that you know but it wasn't like really fulfilling to me in the way that rideshare was and I know that probably sounds kind of silly to people but I get this opportunity where I I'm I know that I am meeting the people that I'm meant to meet that day because there's all of these experiences that happen that I have this opportunity to give back and I mean that in a way is like um it's something as silly as like I drove this one girl she was going to a community event in a neighborhood that I knew wasn't great very 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 shy young black girl very 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 shy like could barely even hear her talking to me when she had to ask me a question like just very scared to speak even and I took her to the destination and we went around the building and I'm just like I don't know like are you sure this is the right address like is there someone you can call because she was supposed to be like meeting some people there and you know she was like I don't know. So I helped her look up on the phone, you know, like what the, what the organization was and we couldn't get a hold of them through the phone. And she was like, well, I'll just, I'll just wait for my grandpa to pick me up. And I was like, I cannot leave you here. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I just, this is not a great part of town. And, you know, I, I would just feel extremely uncomfortable leaving you here. And she's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, you're so shy like I everything in me was just like I cannot leave this girl here I cannot leave this girl I was like I'll take you back home for free like you can stay on the phone with your mom or you know a family member to make you feel more safe but I cannot in good conscience leave you in this part of town and she was just like are you sure I'm so sorry and it's like get in my car like I'm not there's like I, I don't know, I'll, like, I'll wait for you here or I'll wait with you here until your grandpa gets here and you can wait in my car. But like, I cannot in good conscience leave you here. So she got back in my car and we ended up going like around the building to this other side and there the people were and she could get out and help her community event. But it created this experience for this girl to... The more people I pick up, I just understand like people just want to feel seen. That's it. People want to feel seen. And I have this really amazing experience to give people that opportunity. So to me, that's what my work is. It's not like giving a specific amount of rides or, or making a specific amount of money. As long as I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing and that is giving back to this community in a way that like 
I, I'm able to actually help these people in a way that makes them feel safe. And, and that's always the priority of when people get into my car, above everything else, especially for women, I want you to feel safe. I want to do everything in my power. I have a really like calming music. Like I want everything to feel safe in this space because I will just have people get into my car and start crying. I'm not kidding you. Like, and they're just like, I don't know what's going on with me, but they feel it. When they get into this space, they just feel that it's it's open and it's safe and they can just be themselves. And it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And I, I, I kind of like got so used to it that I, I didn't even realize like, oh, I, I checked off all the things on this list, you know? I'm making the money I wanted to make. I'm working the hours I wanted to work. And I feel extremely fucking fulfilled every single, like it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm just this vessel of peace for people. And it's incredibly rewarding. And of course I have bad days. Of course I have days where like, I don't have the capacity, you know, but those days are very few and far between at this point because I am in such a better place mentally doing this kind of work than I ever was in corporate America. You know, I have this time where it's like, I know that, you know, if I'm not feeling my best that day, like, okay, well, I have the flexibility in my schedule. I could take today off and just like work an extra, you know, a little extra later in the week or something. I have all of that kind of freedom now, especially like when my period comes and I fucking hate being around people during when I'm on my period. So now I can just like take that time off, you know, the first couple of days when it's worse, worst, I can take it off and it's completely changed everything. And I had this experience recently where um, this guy got into my car with his kid and he was really frustrated because the previous rideshare driver um, didn't wait for him. So he got charged like this extra surcharge amount um, on top of like the normal cancel fee. And he's like, I texted him that I was coming, but he didn't wait. And he was just really frustrated. There was a lot going on. And he's like, and my aunt just died, you know, like he was just going through it. And it was when I was feeling very um, emotional about, I mean, I'm still feeling emotional, but I was really, really in a raw space with everything that's happening, um, not just in the Middle East, but in America right now because of what's happening in the Middle East, just feeling really torn and like, I don't, I don't know where specifically I can help in all of that. And so I just wanted to focus on my everyday like community work and make sure that I'm giving everything I can in that space because I don't know how to fix all of these big issues. Like I know how to focus on my immediate surroundings and the work I'm doing with people. And so I'm just going to like try to stay as clear and open of a channel so I can like keep helping people in my everyday life. So he started talking about his aunt dying last night and he was really close with her. And as he was talking, I just started breaking down crying. Like I was just in a very raw space and I could just feel it coming off of him. It was just so like, we were both in, in this very raw space together and I just shed tears for him and, you know, was open. And he was talking about like, how his family was making him feel so guilty for not being able to afford going to the funeral. And he's like, you know, I have four kids. I can't afford to take time off of work and go to this funeral. Like, and they're making me feel so guilty. And it just brought back all of these memories from my own family and a lot of the trauma I had experienced within my own family. And we just connected on a lot of very specific things. And um, he was black and when he was talking, you know, we, we just really started going into like all of these different conversations. And he was talking about like how his cousin had just killed himself because um, he was being bullied a lot in school. And he's like, you know, 
the, the mental issues that we experience as people, like so many people just don't take that into consideration. You know, we're, we're just meant to bottle everything up. And I said, you know, I'm sorry if I'm speaking out of line, you know, but it just seems like there isn't a lot of space for even talking about mental illness in the black community. And he was just shocked that, you know, I, I would even say he was just like, I can't believe that, you know, you can observe that as a white person. And there's so much because so many people of color aren't used to being seen by white people. You know, it, it's so difficult to even get a lot of white folks to understand privilege when I try to explain it to them. Like, it's really difficult for them to grasp because we all experience life so differently. So I have this opportunity to see these people exactly the way they are. And it's not just people of color, it's everybody, but it's just people who have gone so much of their lives without being seen. I get this small opportunity to connect with them. And I remember like dropping him off and he was just like, can I give you a hug? And I was like, I was just about to ask you for the same thing. And it was just this very sweet, it wasn't sexual or anything. Like it was just this very raw, sweet moment that I got to share with this person. And that kind of stuff happens all the fucking time. All the fucking time I get this opportunity to like really see people and make them feel seen in ways that they never have in their lives. And I know that's the work I'm supposed to be doing. And I know as long as I'm doing that, everything I need is going to be taken care of. Like, and, and I don't know how to explain it beyond that. Um, so much of this experience is like, I, I don't know what it, I don't know what the voice is. I, I know that I feel like when I can center my thoughts and I can sit in silence and meditate or just sit in silence and follow the thoughts that are happening in my head and just try to clear that as much as possible and try to clear the noise and static from the world as much as possible and just be with myself and feel the things that are happening within me internally. It has this really profound effect on my reality. And I don't have any desire to know for sure exactly what the voice is or if any of this was actually real, again, I will say the mind is fucking powerful. If this whole experience was just the working of my inner mind, how fucking amazing is that? Seriously, how fucking amazing is it that my mind wanted me to have this mental stability so desperately that it created all of these things to happen for me in this short amount of time. How incredible is that? If my mind actually had the capacity and the know-how to make all of this happen so that I can be in the place that I am now, how fucking incredible is that for my mind to be able to do that? If it is some kind of unseen power, if it, it, I don't know. And I, like I said, there's no desire to know. And I don't feel like anything nearly as powerful as like, everybody needs to experience this or everybody needs to believe me or any of that kind of stuff. Like there's, it's just this beautiful fucking experience that I got to go through. I got to go through. I feel like it was meant for me. I feel so seen by the universe, whatever the fuck is out there. I feel more like myself than I ever have in my entire life. And I'm just constantly learning as I go from this point on. And like I said, I'm always chasing that feeling of when I quit my job and just sat in silence for six months. I'm always chasing that feeling because I learned exactly who I am at this point. I've learned exactly who I am and what I'm capable of. And it's, it's just absolutely incredible. And I still fuck up all the time and I still make mistakes. And, 
you know, I still backtrack into unhealthy decisions all the time. But overall, what I have gained from this experience has changed my life forever. It's changed my life forever. And whatever comes from here on out is fucking beautiful and poetic. And even if it's death and, you know, like really dark and scary, like I know that when I leave my house, I still have the power to connect with people on this level that I never have. And it changes the way you see everything in your life. I mean, I, I don't like whatever it is that happened during this shift for me, I'm just grateful for it. Like, I don't feel the need to question it. I don't feel the need to like know exactly what it is. I just know that I feel better than I have ever in my entire life and more at peace with everything that has ever happened to me. Like I don't need to hold on to any of it. I don't need to blame anybody. I don't need to like make myself feel guilty or make, make myself feel anything. I can just be and I can be at peace when I need to be at peace. And I know how to find that peace now. And it's just completely changed everything in my fucking life and I wouldn't change a minute of it I really really wouldn't it was one of the most amazing it was the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me so now I'm always just looking for these new ways to feel like I'm taking that leap again you know into the ether of nothingness you know just taking that leap and saying like whatever it is I trust Whatever it is that's like holding me, I trust it. I just trust it. I trust that I'm going to know how to move through whatever comes at me in life. I trust that I'm, I'm, I'm going to know how to respond to it eventually. And I'm going to find my own way of acceptance and how to continue to shine my light no matter what comes at, at me in this life. And that's, you can't put a price tag on that. You really fucking can't. Um... Yeah, so, whew. <laughs> okay, I think that's going to wrap up the shift um, until something else weird happens, but I think we got the basic uh, crux of the story here, and um, yeah, so I got no complaints, I, I got nothing bad to say about going completely crazy, <laughs> whatever, again, Whatever you want to say happened, I'm totally cool with at this point. If it was just my mind, if it was some kind of mental illness, if it was some kind of unseen force, I don't know, but you can't deny that what has happened is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's a once in a lifetime experience. And I'm just so glad I took the leap. I'm so glad I took the leap. Um, yeah, so I think we'll get back to all of the regularly scheduled weirdness back in the show from this point on. Not sure if I'm going to continue reading. I think I just kind of needed that. I needed that connection with people during that time. Um, but I do feel like I'm kind of moving in a new direction here. So we'll see what comes next. But thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for hearing out uh, my experience and my journey with the shift. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.